Okay, gentlemen, did anybody on their bingo cards have strategy shenanigans for the reason Charles Leclerc doesn't win his home Grand Prix this year? Ooh, Anyone? ooh I did. Bingo! <laughs> bingo to Cam Buckley in the corner. Welcome what back to Motorsport 101. You won pain, Cam. Roll the titles. Nobody wins when Charles Leclerc loses at Monaco. Trust me. I don't know. Right, Sergio guys, Perez did. Well, apart from Cheeky Checo, of course. Welcome to episode 367 of Motorsport 101. And when it comes to the classic triple header, I love that my co-host, Mr. Ryan Eric King, called this one the downer episode. He's kind of right, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush on this one. Look, I'll be real with you. Monaco didn't completely suck. That in itself is an achievement. That is something that is worth acknowledging and giving partial praise for. Unfortunately, everything was a shit show. Everything. Especially if you're Ferrari. Because, my word, <laughs> just when you thought it was safe to escape the means about this team, they pull us back in. They pull us back in. RJ, talk to me, man. What the hell happened out there? Um, I would like to, I would like to address, um, certain comments that I've made in recent episodes on this podcast. I, I proudly predicted that Ferrari driver, Charles Leclerc would go on to win the Monaco Grand Prix from pole position to save his championship aspirations and to end a long suffering curse of Monaco misfortunes. And, um, I would just like to say that I, I, I do not apologize for, for having faith in his abilities. But what I will say is that I did not expect the other shoe to drop all the way from heaven and crack every bone in my face. God damn it! <laughs> Kim, Bad luck. It's, ha it's happened again. Leclerc didn't win at home again. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, it only took uh, an act of God and the rain uh, for this all to go wrong. What kind of sick God would do this? <laughs> uh, and the racing gods looked down at Charles and whispered in his ear as he drove past. No. <laughs> Cam, talk to me. Um... I apologize for nothing. Rest in piss, bozos. <laughs> Look, they're the same team as they have been for the last six years. But Why you don't. But are you're not emotionally surprised. But you're not emotionally invested in them anymore because Seb doesn't drive for them anymore. And I've never been happier. Good. <laughs> my my mental health is brilliant. My crops are flourishing at not having to be emotionally attached to Ferrari anymore. I literally wrote in my blog about this. Honestly, watching Ferrari sometimes is like taking a cheese grater to my own nutsack. That's how frustrating it is to deal it's with like this It's like you hand a midfield team a winning, uh, literally this weekend, the best car in Formula One, and they just don't know what to do with it. That's hard for <laughs> midfielders. Oh, we'll get into all of that. We'll get into Ferrari's almost inevitable failure and how they ended up somehow blowing a potential one-two finish to finish second, fourth, and Charles Leclerc having a primal scream that will make Goku from Dragon Ball Z jealous. We'll, t we'll talk a little bit about Checo Perez, who 
Let's not forget, won the Monaco Grand Prix. Sergio Perez back in the ah, winner's circle. Yeah. Rewarded with a brand new contract. He's here to stay for another two years. Way to go, Checo. You love to see it. We will talk all about the shit show that regarded the rain, the late start, the blue flags, and throwing Eduardo Freitas under a Monaco-sized stake and shake-enabled bus. I don't like this. We'll talk about that over the course of the show as well. And we'll talk about Daniel Ricciardo, who, oh dear, the struggle bus is real for Daniel at the moment. We'll talk about his potential future as well, because it seems to be the uh, tonsillitis that won't go away for Daniel in uh, in every sense of the term. And it's, it's ungood, to say the least. All of that over the next 45 minutes, if our heads don't explode in the process already. But in the meantime, there are places you can find this if you'd like the cut of our jibber on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 or on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 or on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. If you want to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at CBuckley917. We're on Instagram at motorsport 101 pod. And all our details are on the website, motorsport101.com. All our episodes are on there. All our written content is up there as well. If you want even more takes, on this weekend's action. I wrote some stuff about all of that and more, including that Patreon page on there as well, patreon.com forward slash motorsport one If you want to financially back us on there, it'd be very kind of you if you did that. Thanks to everyone as well that subbed on Patreon over the last couple of days. Ash, if you're watching, thank you. You're the best. Thank you. Much appreciated. Um, I got um, Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, of course, uh, the, the follow our brand new Twitch page as well, twitch.tv forward slash motorsport 101. We'll catch all of our live shows on there. We'll be doing some more of those over the course of the season. Oh, I'm, I'm sure I could put this off no longer. Let's talk about the Monaco Grand Prix and let's talk about the three legged prancing horse that was Ferrari. God help us all. The picture of the scene, gentlemen, Charles Leclerc, who has not even finished a race in Monaco since his Formula 2 days, has a golden chance 20 laps into this race from pole position with a multiple second lead in hand to finally get that hometown win in Monaco. Send the fans home happy. All the ones that weren't already soaked anyway. And then the strategy call happens. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Charles, box for hearts. No, no, stay out, stay, 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 stay out. You know what's bad when you have the engineer tumbling over their own words as they panically, panically realize how bad they just screwed up. With with Charles already halfway down the pit lane towards his box. Slapping himself in the face, screaming fuck in a way that would make the Super <laughs> Saiyan 3 transformation in the original dub of Dragon Ball Z seem tame. <laughs> it, it was a primal roar. It was the biggest F-bomb I've heard in an F1 car since Lance Stroll did it in qualifying a day earlier. And he had a bad one. This was a... <laughs> what the fuck? He, he blew out his voice. Yeah, yeah. Like King, I think he described it during Day of Classics as... Bleep, 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 and a really long bleep in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that, that about sums it up. I mean, long story short, Sergio Perez was running behind in, in, in third. They decided to go inters and then go on to the slick tires afterwards. And that turned out to be the fastest strategy to have Perez undercut them because the intermediates were just the way faster at the time. 
um, they lost the ability. Like Charles was always going to lose out after that because Perez's pace on the interview. That's what makes insane. it worse, Trey. They didn't oh, just yeah. lose this race once. They lost, they lost this race twice. All they had to do was put signs in one lap earlier <laughs> for the hard tire switch. And Sainz probably wins this race. Gets his first yeah. career win as well. Yeah. Fer- Ferrari somehow found a way to lose this race twice. <laughs> they had two chances. They had two bites at the cherry. And they botched both of them. I, I, oh, oh, Lord. And it, it got even worse. As we mentioned with the Leclerc, they accidentally made it, made it a double stack situation. Leclerc loses time coming in second. So, so Leclerc goes from first to fourth. To fourth. Yeah. He's not even on the podium. Oh. Yeah. How I mean, bad a fuck up was this, gentlemen? I mean, seriously, because this uh, was... Another publication described this as a bad strategy executed poorly. <laughs> um, I can't even begin to... I don't even know where to start on this. Because, you know, we go into the weekend. We know Ferrari's a little, got a little bit more of a nimble car. Their car punches out of corners a little better. Their car is made for Monaco. And they lock out the front roll with a little bit of help from Sergio Perez, who just backed it in the wall in Q3. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. But here, where track position is the only thing. It is not just everything. Yeah. It's all that matters. You gave up track position with both drivers. You argued with Carlos Sainz. Sainz demanding to be put onto the strategy that would have won in that race. And you accidentally double stack Charles behind him because you don't realize the closing speed from how fast Charles is behind Sainz. Yep. Which drops... Charles behind his main championship threat. Verstappen was not at the races this weekend. No, this, this was probably the mediocre Max weekend by, by his standards. He was yeah. mediocre all weekend. You ask his deadbeat father and he'd tell you he would have won by 30 seconds if Red Bull would have just played the team game. Fuck please, please, please. You, you don't need anyway. to say that. We all know he's a deadbeat dad. But I digress. Um, <laughs> all I can do is laugh. Uh, King's now getting a phone call from Mattia Bonotto to uh, stop slandering the team. Bonotto, <laughs> King. Um, yeah, a bad weekend for Verstappen at this point is finishing third. Good God. Um, yeah. You not only come out of this having lost the win, you gave up ground in the Constructors' Championship and you lost points to Charles. You, you, you lost Charles' points in the, the Championship. Next to his main rival. I'd argue it's even worse than that, Cam. Not only have you done all of that, you've made Sergio Perez a title threat. Yeah, Sergio Perez is only 15 points out of out of the lead of the championship. More on they, him would be cover- they would all be covered by two points if they don't swap places last weekend in Barcelona. I think that was fairly inevitable anyway. But still... Um, this was a uh, look. This team is the same team they have been since 2016. Now Charles knows how it how it feels to be Sebastian Vettel. They yeah. might build you a fast ass car, 
They might build you an entire house made purely of money. But they will leave you out on track, rotting on the vine, while your competition outplays you and beats you. I'm thinking the only positive that came out of this weekend for Ferrari is that Carlos Sainz got them 18 points. The only positive that I can see is that they, this is the first time since Australia that I'd say they had definitive race pace over Red Bull. Yeah. And what'd that get them? Uh, They pissed away the win. They pissed away a 1-2 and came out of it with a 2-4 with their favorite driver in fourth place. And we're coming up to a few tracks where the Red Bull should be, I expect the Red Bull to be stupendous around Baku. Yeah, we got Baku next in two weeks' time. Uh, Oh, Lord. I mean, I think we could sum it up in the in the notes that Cam left in the sit list. LMFAO Ferrari. They're the same. You you fix the car. Did you fix the pit wall? It no. Seemed like it. It seemed like it up until this race. <laughs> You're because they haven't been caught in one of these situations. And every time Ferrari's <laughs> under strategic pressure, they wet the bed. Yeah. For six years in a row. How do they so, keep doing this? To, to borrow the line from the late Kobe Bryant, they went the bed. Big one. One you can't put a towel over. Like that. <laughs> I get falled into I mean, the points sense of impact. Security. The points <laughs> impact of this wasn't the end of the world. But psychologically, I mean, the way Charles was speaking to Benotto after the radio, it's like they lost Charles. In that moment, they lost him as far as their trust. He he said the championship is over after that race. Now that's I know that's Charles being a bit melodramatic because he has a knack of that when he has a bad day in F one. Yeah. There is no bigger critic of Charles than himself. Like he probably went he probably went upstairs after the race and self flagellated out it's, of punishment. It's very telling that Benato is basically basically ordering him to calm down after the race, and Charles is like. I just lost at home. You're not making it any better. Right. And Ferrari are launching their own independent investigation into what went wrong in that race. What does that tell you? (laughs) Ferrari are investigating themselves over their own incompetence. That's hilarious. I was looking for him, but he was me the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I know we'll pin it on them cutting the pit exit line. That's what we'll do. Uh, no, okay. uh, no, no, no. And that just, taken. and that is a whole saga in and of itself because we have a lot to talk about a little later on regarding race direction. Yeah. But it just, it just reeked of Ferrari having sour grapes after just royally botching a yeah. surefire one too. Yeah, gosh. On on the brighter side of all of this, let's not get too bogged down in all that. Well, yeah. also, let's not we, let's not totally get consumed in. Ferrari and Charles Leclerc lost the race. Yeah, somebody won it. Sergio Perez was outstanding. That oh, might have that best might have been his best. Driver. Yeah, that might be his best weekend in Formula One. That was sick. that intermediate stretch won him that race. It it was magnificent driving. It really was. Like, I shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, and he, he doesn't need the help. Chain Bear that broke it down beautifully on his Monaco Talking Point video. But the fact that at some point he was. Six to nine seconds a lap faster than those nice. teams on the extreme wets. <laughs> like, do not get it twisted. They may have lost this race for Ryan, but Sergio Perez certainly won it. And I think he's become Mexico's now most successful F1 driver ever with that third win. Mexico. Uh, 
gosh. Um, also, yep. I love the fact that we, we got Instagram coverage of his dad celebrating with a giant flag because I was I was like, could somebody check that his dad's all right? He might have exploded. Um, yeah, you had to wait a couple to... hours with the whole protest, but uh, front flipped <laughs> front flipped into the swimming pool with the Mexican flag. I, I don't like the fact that Sergio Perez's dad is more athletic than I am. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> I a could mood. not do that. Um, mad impressive, but uh, yes, Wayne Uncheco, great, a great helmet design as well, and great, great wit. And hey, the good news kept on rolling because we found out yesterday before we recorded this. Um, They've just given Sergio Perez a two-year extension to keep him at Red Bull through the 2024 season. So uh, Red Bull is locked in for the next three seasons going forward. And uh, yeah, gentlemen, what do you make of the news? Checo Perez is here to stay. I love this for Checo because there were at least two times off the back of McLaren in 2013 and, of course, in 2020 where he could have been out of the sport with nothing to show for his efforts. But he's here now. He's in the best situation that he's ever been in. Mm-hmm. Maybe he never wins a world championship, but I'll tell you, being in the, being a Hall of Very Good Driver, which is what I believe Checo Perez is, that's solid. I lo- I'd love this for him. You know? Like, hey, you know, we shit on this race all the time, but winning winning Monaco still means a lot to him. Like, did you see him staggering out of out of the Mom was wasted. Wasted. You can in. tell the winning this still means a lot to the drivers. Oh <laughs> hell yeah. It's yeah, it's still arguably the biggest race in the sport. Look, do you do y'all want some perspective on just how good Sergio Perez has been this year? Him and with it. Um the points differential between teammates for the entire grid, smallest differential in the field, Red Bull Racing. Yeah. He is doing... This man was ex- almost out of the sport a year and a half ago. Yeah. He was like three races away from not being in Formula 1 anymore. Um, he walked into a Red Bull team with no leverage and was expected to play second fiddle to Max Verstappen, who had already chewed up Pierre Gasly and Alex Arbon and spat them out like toffee. Um, it, it wasn't ideal at all. I thought Perez was going to be another notch on the Verstappen bedpost, and uh, he's proven me wrong. He, like, he has genuinely improved this year, and he is doing, at the bare minimum, what we what Red Bull was hoping for. He is backing no, up that, Max that Verstappen. That is just it. He, he's doing, when Verstappen isn't at the races, which isn't very often these days, Perez has got to be there, and this weekend, not only was he there, it was better. Next next to Charles Leclerc, he was the best driver in the field. Yeah. He was better than Max all weekend. And that doesn't happen very often, but that's a step up for Perez. That's exactly the sort of weekend you need when your lead driver is having an off weekend. And again, as we, we joke, Max Verstappen finishing third is an off weekend for Max Verstappen. But at this point, he is that good. He's the best driver in the world right now, as far as I'm concerned. But Perez is absolutely doing work. And you know what? It's stability for Checo as well, because he signed the one-year deal when he got to Red Bull. He had to do another one year going into this season because the jury was still a bit out on him, you know, compared yeah, to Yeah, there were some rough patches last year. Yeah, we absolutely. were we were competing. He was, he was like... very up and down. This year hmm. he has been at minimum in Max's tire tracks. 
this weekend. Well, ironically, him winning that race was probably secured by him bending it in Q3. Yeah, Max that was, was that probably was gonna Max was probably gonna grab the front row otherwise. But fair play to him. That intermediate stint was one of the stints of the year. And it got him the oh, dub. Right. Huge dub, boss man. Tremendous. Um, yeah, can't argue with any of that logic at all. You know, this is exactly what Red Bull was hoping. And if Jeff he keeps would doing be. this, yeah, he could stay in the title fight for plenty of races into the season. Yeah, if Red Bull can see can keep racking up one and twos, why not? You know, there'll there'll be days where Perez will, will shine. It's inevitable. We've already had two podiums yanked out of Verstappen's hands this season as it is. There's still reliability question marks about this car. So, you know. Perez, who reliability knows? question marks about both of them at this point. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But uh, check and, out. Uh, Here to stay, everybody. And uh, Someone um, pour one out for Pierre Gasly. Oh. He's done here. Oh. Yeah, I think... And I know this is going to ruin everybody's Russell Gasly dream team at Mercedes, but he's got to be looking right. If if they if McLaren goes through and buys out Daniel Ricciardo, I, I need I need first dibs. Kick, kick down Zach Brown's door. <laughs> I don't care uh, when Lewis Hamilton. I need something else now. Do you really <laughs> want to go to Mercedes right now? Because, uh, bruh. Hell, the only reason why Russell beat Lando on the road was because Lando did the extra stop for intermediates. Russell just went straight to slicks. Mm-hmm. But hey, seven straight top five for George Russell. You know, what can you say? He's, the man's doing work. He's just racking up them points. That's what you do. Here, here's a statistic for you. And before anyone comes at me, not all of it has been on pace. No. He has outscored Lewis Hamilton every single race since the opening round. Could you imagine Fuck. if we had a competitive Mercedes this year? Cool, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? We keep seeing anyway. we keep seeing splashes <laughs> of it, and then it starts slamming up and down on the floor constantly. Yeah, nothing to help. So back to the downer, I'm afraid. Um, Fifteen minutes before this race was set to start, sudden downpour it starts raining. It's pissing it down here, folks, at Monaco. Start was delayed. We got an extra formation lap in, in behind the safety car and a safety car start. And then the race was red flagged for an hour. It wasn't ideal, to say the least. Um, there was a lot of kickback amongst fans and pundits and people watching on on, on social media. There was generally a bit of a... a, a, a like it seemed that Eduardo Freitas in his second race as, as director got... Uh, a bit of an unfair curb stomping to a degree on social media because, hey, that's what we do now. We harass the shit out of race direction. Um, and that, that's fun. You know, we're a great, great audience we are. Um, but let's be honest with ourselves here, folks. How did this situation get handled? How did you think it went down? Um, what are some of the other incidents involved? Because I, 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 there's a lot to break down here. So I had to pull away from a lot of the second half of this race. I can't really comment on like, the pit exit thing, which, you know, that's a stewarding thing and not necessarily a race direction thing, but I was around for the delayed start of this. Now I will say this with, uh, with a couple of caveats. One, 
I I had I had famously said that people are going to get the wrong that once Michael Massey was removed from his post, they were going to get the wrong idea that this has solved every single problem that we have. <laughs> well, yeah, I and, mean, you're right. We fired him. So stewarding's perfect now. And another thing that was pointed out to me uh, is that it really struck me just how freely pundits take authority figures to task in sport, in European sport, like in soccer, or in this case, Formula One. And you would never ever see or hear that in North America to the same degree. You know what I mean? Yeah, Except they, for one specific person. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of drawing a blank here. Uh, a certain NBA referee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. May we I never don't know. speak of him and may we never need him again. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't I don't think I don't think Scott Foster ever gets strays like this. I mean, he does. <laughs> oh, oh like... believe me. He does. I'm <laughs> he the one shooting him. <laughs> I don't know. Not but, to this degree. But yeah, but like, for the for the most part in American sport, we don't even know who most of the officials are because they're that anonymous. So when they replaced Massey with Niels Vidic and Eduardo Freitas, I was thinking like, well, they got they got at least one of the most reputable people. And the thing with Eduardo Freitas is his MO for over 20 years of being a race record for other series has been he puts the safety of his competitors first. And what was the big complaint that we heard about Michael Massey is that he treated his competitors the way that Ivan Drago treated Apollo Creed. If they die, they die. So, so we can send, we can send cars out. We can send cars out. And admittedly, a little bit of a hyperbolic, but you know, the thing with Eduardo Freitas is he always cares about the safety of his competitors first. So when when Martin Brundle and Karun Shandok are going in on this dude for not starting the race in the middle of a downpour, pour, which either would have resulted in, you know, we parade around a bunch on the safety car, not competitively, or we have a 20 car pileup going into turn one. Like. Getting yeah, obviously getting rid of Michael Matsey did not fix all the inherent problems with race stewarding in the FAA. But I think this is the wrong hill to die on when it comes to pulling a gotcha card and the new directors not being improvement over the last guy because a lot of it smacked of well that was that was WEC but this is F one this is the big time now and it it's it really smacks of that F one elitism that we despise so much. I didn't especially have a problem with how the start of the race was called. Neither do I. I do think uh, I'm not. So I'm probably less bothered by racing in the rain in general, just because I've watched enough endurance racing with people racing in the rain. I get why they stopped the race, had them hold off for as long as they did. Yeah, there was also. I didn't really have a problem with that. Mm. What I did have a problem with, and everyone should have a problem with this, is Eduardo Freitas inadvertently letting Red Bull off the hook for their pit exit violations because he copied and pasted an incomplete portion of the rule book into yeah. his race notes. That's that is fucking amateur hour, and I don't care what you tell me. That was sloppy. That I will say is true. Look. <laughs> I personally, look, the thing is, is that 
you, RJ's absolutely right about the elitism part of being a Formula One fan, where everybody just likes to teabag every other series because we're meant to be the big show and we're meant to be the pinnacle of motorsport, et cetera, et cetera. I've heard this a thousand fucking times over the years of being a Formula One fan. That in itself is already infuriating and I can't stand it. Look, MotoGP has done very similar in these sort of situations before where there is a sudden downpour on the grid with minutes out before a start. And the main reason the start was delayed was so that teams could have the opportunity to put the wet tires on their cars. That's a completely logical and viable thing. Yeah, to that do. was the thing. Didn't wasn't that one of like that was one of like that was a that was the thing they started doing in the late 2000s. Right. You know, instead of yeah, sending the safety guys car out, started as a mandated, uh, you're mandated onto the wet tire. Wasn't that 2007 yeah. at Fuji where they start, where they really started doing that? And I know it, so. it takes away the excitement of like everybody getting a standing start and scrambling around on, on wet tires on a, on a greasy track. But like, you know, no, we're not it, psychopaths it, like we were. No, because it's, it's, cl- it's classic back in my day bullshit about how, you know, we're, oh yeah, back in my day, bullshit from a driver who was racing at Hispania Racing Team. <laughs> I would say, it, I would say more, uh, more of a never was in the case of Karun Chandok. But yeah, uh, like I get exactly, I I get both sides of the argument. I think we probably could have gone racing earlier than we did, but I'm not gonna piss and mode on Twitter about it. And you're better off focusing on the actual issues with race control that happened this weekend rather than, God for fucking bid, the race director actually favoring the safety of his competitors he's overseeing. But Cam, that's been our modus operandi regarding the FIA since Abu Dhabi 2021. I mentioned this on on, on my race review and I and I will double oh, yeah, down if a, on if this. If a call doesn't favor you, just bitch and moan until, uh, in the case of one, you think that you got someone fired. Look, look, I will double down on this. I said it on the website twice writing about this before the season even started. People were too busy tap dancing on Michael Massey's grave, which was scapegoated for what happened in Abu Dhabi 2021. When that report came out, nobody cared to read the full report. Not all anyone cared about was the summarized version. Right. Nobody cared about the full report and the systemic issues that the FIA has faced, what they were going to do about what happened in Abu Dhabi, and how they were going to restructure race control to get to this point. No one cared because they used the term human error because it came up in the summarized report, and that's what's trended half a dozen times on Twitter since then because it's all just devolved into a character assassination game between Verstappen and Hamilton and what happened or didn't happen during that finale. And it's nonsense because it's spilled over to this and it's now made everybody look like goons because Eduardo Freitas is basically doomed to fail before he's even started because he can't please anybody in a scenario like this. Yeah, uh, it, it, has cha- it has permanently changed discourse around stewarding because any decision, if it's, rude, if it's viewed incorrectly by any anyone is going to get dogpiled into oblivion. Yeah, it'll be looked at in bad faith. Like, how many times did I see on Twitter on, on Sunday, because there was a call or no call made on Red Bulls, pro, Red Bulls being the victim of a protest, it got compared to the jewelry rule again. Again! The same jewelry rule that keeps coming up every time as the stick to beat the FIA with. 
despite the fact that the man they're allegedly targeting was given another free races to fix the problem. So that, I'm just saying, if they are targeting Lewis, they're doing a very fucking bad job at it. I'll say nope. that first and Well, I think those fans should be more considered with the fact that their guy's finishing eighth every other weekend. <laughs> Still! I, I, King, how do you feel about all this? Because I know you, you, you know the rules and you know the system better than all three of us do. And, like, I, I just feel like Freitas was getting an unfair dog pile for being largely relatively reasonable given the circumstances. Yeah, like, it, especially with the magnitude of the event and the unforeseen circumstances around. Uh, obviously, they knew the rain was coming, but they didn't know that power was going to go out during the delay. Yeah. I can tell you for free, G2 World Challenge America at Sonoma, we had a power outage in the entire surrounding area around Sonoma Raceway, and that pushed back everything by almost an hour. Yeah, yes. when power goes out with the, the systems inherent to being required to run the <laughs> series, it there's no debate. You have to put... Take the time on... Pay- there's no debate here. You have to push it back until those systems are back online. Like, ad- admittedly, I, like, I hate to say to, that they should appease the fans, but I think they should have made it more clear yeah. to right. uh, Formula One management that, hey, could you inform the audience that there has been a power outage, which yeah. they didn't Bad do. Bad communication did not help. A lot of 110% agreed. Shout out. I I, I can't believe I'm giving them a shout out, but shout out to the race because they pointed this out in in one of their post-race columns. Just having a little bit more information to us to view in public would have helped massively here. No one is going to say, oh, well, fuck you. You guys had a power issue. Well, of course, shit happens, okay? Like, Like, my satellites and my bookies, like, got got knocked out by a rainstorm that happened yesterday. I know exactly how that feels. But the thing it's, is, again, you, you never assume that right. the country with the highest GDP per capita by the largest margin imaginable would have a power outage. Monaco right. is Sometime, bad at infrastructure. Sometimes you just get an act of God and there's nothing <laughs> yeah. you can do. Yeah. We, we would know. We God. literally had one last year. <laughs> the, the real act of God, of course, is... Uh, Still, the stake and shake at Santa Vot. <laughs> now all the normies realize that there's a stake and shake at Santa Vot. Yeah, of course. Monaco really is for the people now. <laughs> no, I, was, I just, I just don't like that. Like we You're have now lost. Sound like we're apologists for authority figures. I mean, we're not like that. We're, we're, we're definitely not. It's it's like if you want to hold them to task, hold them for things that actually matter. Yeah. Again, right. and the- copy and pasting the wrong section of rules into <laughs> your <laughs> fucking race notes is incomprehensibly bad. Yeah, yeah, that's silly. That's bush league, and I, I mentioned in my post on the website it's bush league. You can't do that. Like, and, and, and look. The point I'm going to make, and I'm sure everyone in this room would agree with me here, Mm. be nuanced in your criticism. You can't just take everything that's gone wrong and then shove it in the race director's face. No, but that's how it is now, Dre. Every single incident that goes one way or the other that doesn't favor who you want it to favor must have been made in bad faith and there's a conspiracy against you. Every day is no nuance November. Yeah, but 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 Lewis is wearing jewelry, um, you know. But we 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 care, we care more about that apparently. Like, that's the point. It's there is no room for nuance in discourse anymore because now 
a lot of us have got it in our heads that race direction and, and, and the FIA as a whole is now the enemy. And that's not how it should be. Like, you can't blame them for a rainstorm knocking out the power on the track. Don't get me wrong. I think it could have been better communicated. But still, like, there's, like, it's... It, you have to it, look it, at it. They're scrambling trying to get shit back, op- back operational. Yeah. Like, it's... There is now no line in the sand anymore. It's zero or 100, and it's not fair on the people that are doing their best to do their jobs. You want to be critical of them? Be critical of them for get, making a basic copy and paste error, not for a rainstorm that hit Monaco, because I guarantee you a thousand times over, I would much rather see the cars parked in the garage safe for an hour than we have a deluge in the middle of the race and four guys are stacked up into a swimming pool wall. Like... I'll give me option one a thousand times over compared yeah. to that. Yeah, it makes for it makes for funnier footage of mechanics uh, doing a dead sprint in like a driving rainstorm with their feet all wet, trying to get awnings and wet tires over the cars. Uh, speaking of no nuance, uh, we're gonna have another disc. It's time for another referendum on Daniel Ricardo. Oh. Uh, finished thirteenth in Monaco. Uh, didn't had a crash in practice. Zach Brown was coy on whether it was a possibility he could cut Ricardo out of his deal before 2023. <laughs> mm. um, oh, gosh. Um, folks, you think Zach Brown is going to pull the plug at the end of the season on a multi-time Grand Prix winner. Last year's Italian Grand Prix winner and one of the most marketable faces in the sport. And if so... Who are they going to get that's better? Um, the thing is, we've we've gone through this before with Zach Brown. Like IndyCar did happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, Zach Brown is willing to do this, even if in the short term it doesn't necessarily work out. Um, I can charitably say Daniel Ricciardo was bad this weekend. Um, he's getting annihilated by a very sick Lando Norris. Mm. A Lando Norris who can barely speak on the radio. A Lando Norris that people are convinced is is like, like they're they're convinced that it's not tonsillitis, that it's COVID or something, even though it's tonsillitis. Yes, hundred percent. Like you, you, you not, can he, you, having had it, it sounds <laughs> like it. <laughs> it's not fun. I think people no. just. Like, people just don't know how bad tonsillitis can get. It, no, it, it, it can be rough. It can fuck you. And look, I have I probably need my tonsils out, but hey, they're still here, still kicking. <laughs> yeah, look. Uh, yeah, it's <sighs> nothing about Daniel Ricardo's current situation at McLaren looks good. Because the thing is, it was all chalked up to last year's McLaren being requiring a very particular driving style. Well, we had arguably the biggest upending of the technical regulations in modern F1 history. The cars are completely different. And A, McLaren basically made no progress forward. If anything, they regressed a little bit. And Daniel Ricciardo is still having trouble consistently keeping himself in the points. Let alone challenging Lando, who at this point is being a consistent thorn in the distant third best Mercedes sides. So, Cam, if Daniel Ricciardo is not the guy, who is? Um, well, that's why I don't work at McLaren and they don't pay me the big bucks because I don't know who is. 
but you feel like it feels like you they you can't sustain this much longer. I'll I'll give you an answer. There isn't one. It's like it's it's that simple. Like you're gonna have to get into some ugly contract breaking, and even then, there is no guarantee that whoever you get that walks into that team is gonna immediately be better. Like McLaren have now pigeoned them so like it's not entirely McLaren's fault here, right? But Lando Norris is now so good that I don't think there is anyone in that midfield pot that can match him now. Like the only the, the dude that might maybe be just one. hit the mo- the open market is Pierre Gasly. But the problem is this year Pierre's had a rough season, and so is Alphatari. But yeah. he has no pathway up to Red Bull now. No, no, Pierre Pierre Gasly is not going to stay there. You mark my words, but. I mean, he's the not bigger, been as good as here's he, the thing. Daniel isn't season. hiding from this either. Daniel no, knows he needs to be better. No, he, he said it on public. Like, my, my, and I don't know my, who my, breaks my, it off first. Him yeah. or Zach? It'll be Zach. The problem is, Zach is probably going to have to write an eight-figure check to break off Ricardo's deal early. I, I think he's willing to do it. The question is whether That's he will or not. a big old check. Because uh, I think your best bet is probably seeing if you can pry Oscar Piastri out from Alpine's clutches because Ooh. he has no he has no path up to Alpine either with Alonso and Ocon on long term contracts. Does, does he still have that like uh, we agree to let him substitute in case one of our drivers yes. can't race or deal? That is still a yes. thing. I don't know if they can bump that up to a full time race seat. I mean, if anybody other than Gasly is available on the open market, it's probably him. But yeah, th- those are the two, still. because uh, I mean, you could bring Pato over, but will Pato really want to come over to run in the middle of the pack in F one? Yes, I mean that's, that's part of it. that's part of the why he, reason why he resigned. But yeah. I don't think Award and Herder are going to be there yet. Mid season, I don't think so. Next Not- year, potentially. I also want to talk about like a thing that's come up in Daniel Ricardo discourse is that in hindsight, I don't think. Ricardo was ever going to be in a good position, whether or not he chose to stay at Ren Alpine. I mean, sure, His fate was he could, if he stayed, he His could have fi- an, he could RJ. have a whole team build around him. And His fate was sealed the day he lost. His fate was sealed when he didn't have faith in the Honda engine and he bailed to Renault. That was yeah. the end of Daniel Ricardo, the championship contender. Yeah. And yeah, he could have been at Alpine still, he could have this great, he could have the team built around him instead of it being built around Lando. And he'd be finishing in the exact same position. Yeah, what's that really work? The end result is still, you're expecting lower end points most weekends. Podiums yeah. are a fluke. Wins are a gift from God, shout out Asman Ocon, with a power <laughs> unit that no customer team wants because it's made of glass unless they're Andretti and they're begging to be led in the sport as the 11th team. His fate was sealed the day he left Red Bull because he didn't have faith in the Honda PU. No one and, and he didn't have faith same. in his relationship with Mats. And unfortunately, he's ended up on uh, he's ended up on the losing side of that. He walked into a very specific McLaren setup with Lando Norris only getting better and better, almost by the round. Um, like it was. There was not very many ways going to McLaren would work out in Ricardo's favor. And the problem was, when he was at Renault, he was a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Ocon had a bad 2020 season. Ricardo was incredible 
in that Renault in 2020. So he got the rub of the green on that on that side of his reputation. Now he's walked into a McLaren team where Lando Norris was already on Carlos Sainz's level the year before Ricardo even rolled up. Like, if you're on Carlos Sainz's level, there's maybe only three or four dudes in the sport that's better than you. That's the problem. Like, Ricardo had to immediately carry over his 2020 form into that McLaren to be on his level. That's a hard thing for anyone to do. So I've got a level of empathy for Daniel where that's concerned because there was not very many ways this could work out. And there's a thousand ways this could have, this could have worked out wrong. But McLaren punt is punching higher than 13th places at this point. I think the blessing for them here, on, on for Ricardo, is that Alpine are the only threat to them. The, other, the rest of the midfielders... And they're not consistent. But yeah, the rest, of the, the rest of the midfielders around them have got significant weaknesses. Like Alfa Romeo only have one good driver right now. Guan Yu Zhao has been a mix of slow and painfully unlucky. Alfa Tauri are not what they were last year. They are absolutely weaker than they were last year. And to be fair, Pierre Gasly's being washed out by Yuki Tsunoda, and they're pretty much trading on equal terms now. Aston Martin are arse. Sebastian Vettel is pulling out miracles just to get in the points. The only team uh-huh. capable of challenging McLaren is already into their engine penalties. Yeah. Yeah, that might be the only saving blessing for Ricardo here is that right now, the like, there is no other team in the field that has two performing drivers. Everyone's got like carrying an anchor at the moment, and that might be what saves him. But, but your worry has to be, I mean, look at how it played out last year. Keep in mind, the hybrid systems on these power units are still open. They, mm. they, they locked down in September. What happened last year? Ferrari... Got an upgrade, went and caught McLaren and blew them into the weeds. And that was because Ricardo was bringing home basically jack shit for points until he won in Monza. Yeah. Could you imagine how... So the whole time, like the whole time that it's just Lando scoring, McLaren is vulnerable to a team behind them taking a big step. We are in the infancy of these regulations. Those steps happen. What's the di- what's going to be the difference in the buyout versus the number the amount of constructors prize money that McLaren stand to lose? Um, probably worth it. How, what kind of weird twist and turn will this take if Ricardo somehow flukes out another win at like Baku or Montreal? Um, it isn't because McLaren has a hell of a lot bigger hill to climb than they did last year. As a side yeah. note, they can always bring back Mika from the sabbatical. <laughs> That might be an improvement. What's Nico Hulkenberg doing? Ron Dennis in tow again, who celebrates his 75th birthday today. Happy birthday, Ron. Um, <laughs> I'm sure for his birthday, he's going to have his gravel wash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. But, uh, yeah, Daniel, uh, good luck, buddy. Yeah, you, you, you may need it. Because, you need uh, it. Twitter's got it in for you, man. Um, I, I hope people... At, at least Mick like Schumacher has yeah. Sebastian Vettel in his corner. Well, he doesn't have much else after that Monaco crash, because yikes. I, I can't believe the car broke in two like that. I'm glad he's okay, but shit. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, dear. That was Monaco, folks. Um, a solid six. Solid five and a half out of ten for me. Um, it was it was acceptable. Um, it, it was acceptable, and uh, that, that that's fine. We go, You're we all going F1 to get drunk. Back. 
We're going to get mm. drunk on the yacht. We're going to gamble our money in a casino. And then we are going to drown our sorrows at the steak and shake before <laughs> looking for a glucose guardian because there are plenty of those in Monaco. Oh, God. Yeah. And, we're, no, and, no, no, and no, no, times no. are tough. Now I'm going yeah. to attempt a coup. <laughs> King, you're not, playing, you're not playing. You're not playing Victoria too. Calm down. Calm down. What are we drowning so, uh, in? Steak or shake? <laughs> oh, Both. Both. Planet um, sushi. And sushi. Uh. You've got the amount of influencer shots on boats this weekend. <laughs> Terrible. Right. F1 is back in two weeks' time at Baku. Oh god, we are we are destined for what I like to call the shithousery GP because some shithousery always goes down at Baku. May the good Lord help us all. We'll be back next time round to talk about MotoGP's Italian Grand Prix and all 19 people that were there to watch it. Um, but in the meantime, basically you can find us one more time or on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101 or on Facebook.com, same slash there. Motorsport underscore 101 on Twitter. Our personal handles at the screen at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, at cbuckley917. Uh, motor, our website, motorsport101.com, has got all our details on there as well. If you want some written content on the race as well, I wrote some on that, as well as everything from Classics Weekend. And, of course, you can back us financially on Patreon if you really like us, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back for MotoGP at Mugello. Um, yeah, but don't break a leg or an arm for that matter. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell. Ryan Napoleon Bonaparte King and Cam Buckley. Until then, sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. The prancing haunts always disappoints. <laughs>